if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And that basically refers to the fact that if you're doing a lot of things, you're going to find solutions to your problems much faster than if you have an infinite amount of time to do them in. Welcome to the Student Mindsets Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Robert Dudek. And this is Nicholas Battaglia. Uh, welcome to the episode one. Today, what are we talking about, Nick? We're going to talk about successful versus unsuccessful students, university students, that is. So we're going to look at the various things that we think and other people think and research shows makes successful versus unsuccessful students. So... Firstly, we need to kind of define what success means, because I was thinking earlier before we started, actually, you know, you can have someone that studies for eight, nine, ten hours a day, every single day, and, you know, gets the grades, does all their assignments, keeps on top of everything, but, you know, doing that much work over a long period of time is probably going to have its own effects especially in the long term. So does taking this approach really make a student successful over three or four years of university? Who knows? And on the other hand, you might have someone who's just clever to begin with, they're book smart, they have very good memory, and you know they're able to kind of get through things without doing that much work, without being that interested, but you know they still get it done. They still get the grades, they get their degree, and they're off. So you know, was that a successful student? Maybe, by some accounts. But I guess that's what we're trying to find out. Yeah, I guess for me, a successful student is one that can balance everything together, whether that's sleep, social and academic stuff, and do well in all those three areas rather than exceeding in one of them, like sleep, for example, Um, (laughs) as some of my flatmates are. But yeah, it's not only just the academic, but it's all about the balance and how you do in all those three areas and exactly what you said that you're not burning yourself out in the long run yeah have you seen that meme that pyramid thing it's like social it's a it's a triangle it's there's social aspect academic and, oh yeah and uh, it goes like choose like sleep social yeah, and sleep, academic exactly. like choose two out of three <laughs> exactly so that's the meme version you know but you know you actually you want to be good oh i mean you can't really be good at social life but you know you get what we mean you can't set your sights on just one of those things as a student you know you can still get the grades as we just said but ideally you'd want to you know have a decent social life be able to sleep whilst taking care of all your academic stuff so you know i think that's more or less our starting point you know having that sort of balance not just doing well at university but you know doing some other stuff on the side joining joining a society uh, making time for friends i think that those are all characteristics that make a successful student but you know let's get a bit more deep into it okay so we're gonna start off with uh, top 10 things that successful students do and number one here we got spaced repetition which is if for those of you who don't know that's opposed to cramming which is pulling an all-nighter before your exam spaced repetition refers to when you do little chunks of learning every once in a while and research shows that you remember so much more over the long run even though you could do slightly less but because you're repeating it over and over and over again you remember more when it comes to your exams 
And that's one of the hacks that successful students do, not only to avoid pulling all-nighters, but also just in case, you know, something happens and you need some more time just before your exam to do something else. It's often that you get multiple assignments due on the same week, and that way you already have a lot of things done, a lot of learning done yeah. before you even got that assignment due. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Just uh, staying consistent from the start. Okay, maybe, you know, fine. Not from the first day of the first week. Okay, we get it. But, you know, I think the takeaway with space repetition is just the the fact that being consistent, even if you do a little bit, that consistency will multiply itself in terms of its positive effects in the long term, I think. Instead of, of course, as you said in the start, it's the opposite of cramming. Instead of kind of leaving it all at the end to kind of desperately learn. I think that doing it little by little, you know, it doesn't have to be five minutes a day. Of, of, of Hopefully it's going to be something more like one hour, 45 minutes each day. But even that, I think, is would be a superior way of learning, especially when it comes to like exams and like sort of taking tests. And uh, it has, I think, definitely kind of worked for me from year one, just kind of keeping on top of things from the start. And yeah. Yeah. And as a student, it's very hard to do that, but there's some great apps out there that help you. Like I use, uh, I use Brainscape, which is uh, basically an, an app that allows you to, you know, do a little, what, it, what do you call them? The, I don't really use Brainscape. What do you like, call those? Uh, flashcards? Flashcards. flashcards. Yeah, it's like yeah. a flashcard oh, app. Oh, that, yeah. That, yeah. That is yeah, it's like a flashcard app, but online or on your phone. And it's nice because it's got like little reminders to do it like every once in a while. And you get your progress of how much you actually remember everything. And yeah. I think I think they claim it's like 15 to 30 minutes a day, like all you really need. Yeah. No, flashcards are incredible. Like I study... Uh, politics like political science basically so for my field at university it's not the ideal method of studying because you're not really trying to memorize things too much it's more about concepts but for example for my IB exams that I took before university I was studying psychology and flashcards were a godsend they were incredible they're so especially if you have a good app for it I'm sure Brainscape yeah. is great but I had another one which I can't remember now but it's Quizlet as well the last one it might have been Quizlet I remember I had it, and it's just the way it works, because it, obviously it's not that the app knows. You sh you use the app, and the app knows <clears throat> basically what you know least, and yeah. it shows you those, those things that you know the least, so that you can kind of reinforce that knowledge that you're lacking. But yeah, it's uh, if you're studying something like more scientific, I think... Yeah, there's a lot of keywords. Yeah. Those are the best to have flashcards yeah. for. But yeah, I think that's it for in terms of space repetition. We want to also talk about study environment which I think I mean personally that's very very it's key to the way I do things like it's very hard for example for me to study at home because home has become over time you know my student flat has become the kind of place where I come at the end of the day to relax and kind of just cool down and yeah it's just that psychological element of having a place that you enjoy being in that you're productive in I think it's so important to have, like, it depends on the person, I guess. I don't know what you prefer in terms of, like, an environment. Are you able to study at home much, or do you need to kind of go out there and to a uh, library or, like... Yeah, for me, I have to I have to go out, but that's just because I, I'm having trouble keeping to a routine where I turn my room into a study space. I mean, they say that at, at least if you keep your desk, for example, just to do study work at your desk, 
because your brain makes associations. So that's why you should never study on your bed because you know bed is is a is a thing that's used for only two things, which is the sleep and the other s. And uh, and if you use it for studying as well, and your brain makes the association that wait, this is a a place that's also to sleep, to enjoy myself, but at the same time it's to study, and it doesn't really get into this mood to study, which is why they say you should dedicate one room in your house, or at least like your desk, where you only do studying. Because then automatically, even if you don't feel like doing any work, your brain will think, oh shoot, we're sitting in a, in, in a desk. We usually work when we do that. And so it's easier to get into that flow state. Yeah. But it's complete, it's much, much easier to, like you said, dedicate your home to just relaxing and go out then either use a library or a coffee shop and turn that into your study space. Yeah, and the going out factor, just the fact, okay, I'm leaving the house to do work, can be a big motivation in itself because, you know, I'm, and I'm not, I'm sure there's people who enjoy, really enjoy studying at home and it's fine with them. But for me, <laughs> on the other hand, which I unfortunately developed as sort of, I guess it is kind of a bad habit that I just need to get out of the house in order to study. But on the other hand, the positive is that I know that, like, you know, once I leave the house, okay, I have one thing in mind. I'm going to go either to the library or to a nice cafe, have my cup of coffee, and just sit there for a few hours and just do work. So there is a positive in that. But of course, if you're listening to this and you really haven't thought about this much, you know, I'm not telling you to just ignore your home and just make your study space somewhere else. You know, there is, it's perfectly fine, as Rob said, to, to, you know, set out a table in the house, a room in the house, if you're lucky to just work. And uh, yeah, I mean, for me, cafes and library are just the two top spots. Yeah, and uh, I was actually listening to a seminar about peak performance today, and they've mentioned something which you touched upon about the walking factor. And the psychologist behind it claims that a walk outside in the afternoon, like 20 minutes, is just as powerful as your second cup of coffee. And there you have it, you know, how like the mind plays a massive role, honestly, in our incentives, the way we sort of conceptualize our, our goals and stuff like it's so important to kind of step back. And yeah, but do we have anything else on study spaces? Do you have anything else to add? Well, the obvious, the, the obvious thing also is try to avoid loud music, distractions. If you, if you have a... Hey, it works for some people, though, apparently. It does. I don't know yeah. how. I don't know how people can play with, like, heavy metal in their ears. <laughs> but it seems, like I said, I've, legit, I've heard some people say it's, like, the favorite way of studying. I'm not sure how they do it, but, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's move on to the next one, which is take effective lecture notes. And uh, this is the one that... A lot of students are guilty of. I so one of my memory professors uh, studies working memory, and we had our very first lecture. Like half of it, he took to explain to us how to take effective lecture notes, which basically boils down to doing by hand, use a pen or a pencil, and not on your laptop. And not only because you're more likely to be distracted because most people have a Facebook in the background playing games or something like that, but it's also that apparently if you take them by hand, it's more likely to be remembered because one, you write slower than you type, and two, you have the additional effect of putting words into motion. So, you, so you're doing two things at once, 
and your brain is is more likely to remember what you've written than what you've typed in. So one of the biggest things is to write on paper if you write in notes and then there are also various note-taking techniques like the Cornell method. I don't know if you... Which you one? What is it? The Cornell method. No. Wait, well, I think I might have heard of it, but in like in year one I was looking through different yeah. techniques. It's, it's, it's quite popular. I, I don't use it myself, but I think I feel like when it comes to taking notes, the best way to do is develop your own system. I, for one, am very guilty. I don't take any notes during lectures. Well, I heard a professor say that that's actually good because that means you're focusing on what the lecture yeah. is actually saying. And actually, sometimes taking notes can be a very considerable distraction. So, yeah. you know. But that's the thing. that it only like I don't take any notes. I, like you said, I just focus on what the lecture is saying. But the key with that, though, is that you need to make sure you take notes after. Mm. Otherwise, you're going to forget it because you yeah. have to review what what you remembered from the lecture at some point yeah but that is good actually because if you don't take notes during the lecture and you do take notes it's first of all it's hard because you need to kind of be disciplined and actually yeah. sit down after the lecture and do it but i can imagine that's very good because it also forces you to remember what you just exactly heard and that itself is a good way to kind of reinforce the knowledge and yeah nice I, one. i've had a i've had a educational joke today <laughs> Enlighten us with your comedy gold. <laughs> so this, this, okay, well, I just remembered because we were talking about taking taking lecture notes. All right. So, what what type of pencil does William Shakespeare used to use? Uh, what type of pencil? I don't know. To be. <laughs> that's okay. Let's just move on to the next point. <laughs> oh yeah, this definitely an important one is learning from your mistakes and especially at the start what i found is not being kind of dragged by your setbacks and they will come trust me moments in which you feel you know like you should do better that you're dumb or whatever you know they will come and it's good at the start to kind of not let them just bring your confidence down ultimately you know i had a really bad grade in my first semester which honestly like looking back i was so useless dealing with it but it really brought my confidence down and i thought i did a i thought i did really well on that particular assignment and i found that i didn't and luckily it was towards the end of the semester but like for the rest of that term i was just like i'm not having it man like i worked my butt off for this and i didn't really get much as a reward and that was a really bad attitude to have because i should have just kind of taken it on my stride and moved on but I think it's very important at the start especially and throughout your university career kind of just you know instead of getting mad at your failures kind of like just realize you know it sounds like a cliche but you know what can you get out of it what knowledge can you derive from it what did you do wrong and what are you going to do to change it next so yeah i think they say that and i was guilty of this most people don't actually read the feedback that they've gotten on the I, oh my god i'm so bad at that <laughs> like, i'm so bad at that it's... i swear to god i did not read a single piece of feedback for the first two years of uni for the first two years okay, yeah i'm not that bad but... like for the first two years i did not read any piece of feedback you have to man it's yeah it, it, and it is hard because it does really feel like Almost like a personal attack sometimes. Yeah, like, what, what are you saying about the way I write, man? What are you saying? What are you saying about my reasoning abilities? But you know, it's really, it's because it's because it's one where you learn from your own mistakes and you spot the, the mistakes that you've made. But 
the thing with with feedback is it's nice to have somebody to point out your flaws for you so you don't have to do the the hard work of spotting your own mistakes and you can just focus on how to get better yeah and remember most like most of for most assignments that are real the ones that matter the professors won't know who you are so it's yeah. not gonna be like just a personal thing you know it's they literally have things to mark sometimes they are strict of course sometimes you do feel that ah you know did, did i really do this did, you know did i really deserve this comment but at the end they don't know who they're marking so they're there to help you and you should definitely learn from what they say yeah although you also have to take some feedback with a pinch or so because some teachers are also guilty of just giving the same feedback to a couple of people because you know they got a hundred of exams to mark and they're human too you know? yeah yeah <laughs> like so one of one of my friends uh, a couple of years ago um her name was lucy and literally on her feedback form the the lecture written the same thing she written to her friend abby literally not even crossing out her name wow like <laughs> abby this is wrong you have to do this this and this oh that is another <laughs> level though yeah but yeah, learn, you know, really. Sounds like a cliche, but really do learn from your mistakes. Early on, the earlier the better. Yeah. yeah. Which leads us nicely to number five, which is surround yourself by friends who are also passionate about what you do. Because the, the easiest way to, to um, gather knowledge around yourself is to actually surround yourself with people who talk about it in the spare time. Or even if not talk about it in the spare time, just friends who are passionate about something like us people were derived from tribes and you know they say that you are the average of five people who you surround yourself with and that emotions are contagious so if you surround yourself with people who are passionate about what they do even if it doesn't relate to what you're studying at university like for some reason you just get this massive boost of positive energy and this outlook on life that you have changes where you become passionate a lot more about what you do, even if it's not related. Yeah, honestly, I think it, it really is true. I think the, I don't know where, where it originated from, the saying that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. But if you think about it, not even that deeply, like it really does make sense. Like it's, you know, you spend time with people. Like the most basic example is, you know, when you have a group of friends and you start talking like them, you start saying the same yeah. sort of like, whether it's slang or sort of the way of, you phrase certain things you know that's the most basic example of this you know like you become kind of like your friends if you spend a lot of time with them and that can be good and bad you know if again they don't have to be passionate about exactly the same things that you do but you know it's good to just have people who are kind of motivated about what whether it's their own academic life whether they have hobbies that they love you know just having that positive those positive vibes let's call them around you yeah. it's that can definitely i think sort of just enhance your own ability to do well and when it comes to specifically to academics i think just a little side note it's amazing to learn with people from your class that are studying the same thing even if you don't know them that well just to literally get together in study groups <coughs> talk about the same things discuss some ideas and uh, yeah so take advantage of that because i'm sure your university does offer that in some way or another just study groups you know uh, you know the motivational speaker eric thomas Mm, I think that I must have definitely you know the one the name. Is like uh, you gotta want it as bad as you want to breathe. Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that famous one. thing. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't do well in in high school, and then he went back to do his his tests so he can go to university. And he says that literally the first thing he did when he finally went into university was 
he found the smartest person that he could find and just <laughs> that studied the same thing as he did and didn't let go of them until he graduated. <laughs> Literally. Like, <laughs> you know, again, just another example of this. It's it really is true. But yeah, what have we got next? Ooh. I think another really important thing is to just you know, if you have to learn something, you have to want to learn that in order to actually get to that first step. Because if you're forced into like a career path or like a an educational path, let's call it, like something studying something that you actually don't want to, trust me, it's gonna be not just hard, it's gonna be impossible for you yeah. to do well in it. So you need to actually want to do what you're doing, first of all. That's like the first step zero, basically, you know. You actually have to want to do it. Because if you if, if that's not even there, like it's it's gonna be impossible. And just a waste of time because why would you want to learn about something for three or four years that you don't care about you know that's that's that doesn't sound like a no, very smart exactly thing. especially if your parents or anybody else pushes you into something like medicine or subjects where once you graduate with that that's actually your career yeah path. law like you know <laughs> things like that then, then then you're stuck for the next 40 or 50 years on something that you didn't want to do in the first place yeah and hopefully that doesn't turn out to be the case. Hopefully you realize that it's not what you actually want to do and change course. But, you know, that's just the main takeaway here. Like, you know, you actually have to want to do it. And, uh, yeah, and be self-driven. Another important thing. Because university, you're not going to have someone nagging you that no. you're not going to lectures. I think that's actually the best and worst thing about university at the same time. Because sometimes you really don't want to go to a lecture. Cool. No one's going to tell you. Yeah, you no can one wake cares. up at 10 a.m., Get out of bed, cool. But once that's once you start building those kinds of habits, no one's gonna be there. Maybe your parents will give you a call and you know ask how you're doing, and you just tell them everything's fine, of course. This, even though you didn't go to the last eight lectures, yeah. but you know that is really important. Just the ability to kind of be self-driven and do the things that you need to do without someone else telling you. And yeah, that's really important to have. I think. Oh, very true. Okay, so let's move on to the next one, which is. Have a morning and evening routine. Ooh. And this is something that a lot of successful people in the world preach about. That you have to have some sort of ritual that you do. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. It doesn't have to be complex. But something that basically makes you motivated, wakes you up in the morning. And something that winds you down at the end of the day. So, for example, your morning routine could be just getting out of bed and making your bed before you know checking your phone your emails going on facebook uh, little things like that really make a difference throughout your day i mean what's what's your morning routine like yeah i usually i'm i do kind of define myself as a morning person so i'm kind of able to wake up 6 30 7 lately it's been, i've been a bit worse at that but you know i can wake up fairly early and Usually the first thing I go I go do is make a cup of coffee, uh, kind of just wash my face, and sit on my couch and figure out what my day is gonna look like. <clears throat> so that's kind of my way. Like I need that plan. I need those to see those goals like written on paper, by hand, by the way, and kind of visualize what my day looks like. Because without a plan, without a structure, it's so hard for me to kind of get out and do anything. Like I need to know what my next three, four steps are gonna be before I can do anything else. And so that's my morning routine. And it doesn't always go as planned. You know, I try my best. It's been all right, but you know, we're all human. But in terms of my evening routine, my, my evenings are a bit less structured because 
since I'm a morning person, I really do use my, as I said earlier too, like I come back to my flat and kind of just wind down. So it is a bit less structured, admittedly. But I do try. I don't go to bed that late. So that's, I guess, a positive. And uh, I try to be in bed by like 10.30, 11 latest. And I guess that's my mini evening ritual, just making sure that I'm in bed by a certain time. Yeah, I think that, I think the most important thing about the evening routine is giving your your brain a, a signal of when it is time to really wind down and go to bed. Which the the biggest thing that everyone is always guilty of is just being on the phone or watching a movie just before going to bed, which is the exact opposite of what you should do because apparently the lights that are emitted from your phone or from your laptop um, produce a sort of effect. In your, in your in your body that signals to your brain that we we have to be awake like this is still you know day it's not night it's not ready, it's not ready to go to sleep yeah. so so if you're gonna do anything like the number one thing to do is like they say an hour or two before going to bed like do not use your laptop do not use your phone or that's or, hard though yeah it's it really is. hard but but yeah but even still like there's a I think there's still apps that that allow you to like turn off the the blue lights emitted from your laptop, like in the oh, evening. Okay. Hmm. So, so little things like that, and um, or if you if you do make a routine, like just before going to bed, even if it doesn't involve your phone, but something that you do every day, like for example, you eat dinner and then you brush your teeth and then you read a book and then you go on your phone and then you go to sleep, even something like that. But if you do it consistently, once you get those things in motion, your brain is like, oh, okay, we usually do this before going to sleep, I guess. I should fall asleep soon, you know? Yeah, that's true. I think also, as you said, mentioned earlier, I don't know what we're talking about, but just getting your brain used to... I think, yeah, when you mentioned uh, studying in bed, like mm. over time, your brain starts associating the bed with work. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, so you want to get... I think that's a takeaway from like you know this whole podcast. Kind of get your brain used to the things you want to do and slowly kind of get into those positive habits. Do you find that when you drink... Because you mentioned you drink coffee like right after you wake up. Yeah, usually quite. Yeah. Quite do you, do you find that it, it makes you sleepy? Mm, mm, I haven't thought of that. No, because I guess not. If I if I don't if, if I don't say yes immediately, I guess it, I guess it doesn't really. Because mm. like I'm one of those people, but apparently, for a lot of people, you shouldn't drink coffee straight away after you wake up. Apparently, it has the adverse effect of waking you up, and so according to I forget what his name is, but he's a uh, it's like this uh, celebrity personal trainer and he talks about how you should drink coffee about two, three hours after waking up because that will have a much bigger effect on you being awake than if you do it straight away because your body has to kind of adjust to waking up by itself first. So if it relies on coffee, apparently over time, it has the opposite effect. That makes you associate yeah. with being tired almost. I don't know yeah. the science behind it, but... But he says that you should wait like two or three hours after yeah. you wake up. But it doesn't affect everyone. Like, I know for me, that's definitely true. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, honestly, it sounds intuitively right. But, you know, good luck <laughs> to all those people that feel like they need coffee as soon as they wake yeah. up. Taking that advice. <laughs> Including myself. Actually, no, I don't classify myself as needing coffee when I wake up. It's just a nice sort of extra help to have in that little sort of morning process but yeah what was the the most coffees you ever had in a day it was probably a day i needed to do like a lot of coursework and i went to a coffee shop and i had maybe five six cups 
which I'm sure some people will laugh at that. And yeah. like, That's my daily <laughs> amount. Like, but no, it was a lot. And I felt just not even horrible. I just felt uneasy. Like yeah. that, that weird sort of like your jaw feels weird. You're like, it's just, <clears throat> yeah, it's not pleasant. No, I agree. That never went past four. Yeah. I don't drink coffee at all, so like one cup of coffee for me is like it's it, it's enough to keep me awake for like half the night. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what's next on our little? So list? the next one is have a side hustle, which seems a bit counterintuitive. It's like oh, if you want to do good at uni, you should also consider taking on more responsibilities. But so there's a good saying that. I found the other day, which is that if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And that basically refers to the fact that if you're doing a lot of things, you're going to find solutions to your problems much faster than if you have an infinite amount of time to do them in. And that's also partly why we have assignments at, at university that have deadlines. So I think it was like about, I want to say like, eight years ago or something, I was like, Harvard University did a study where they were like, okay, well, maybe we'll do what every student wish that, that they could do, which is that they had no deadlines for any work. Like, you just had to, at the end of the year, you had to hand in everything that they've asked you to. You could have done it at any point during the year. And they sounds found... sounds like a really bad idea. Yeah, because <laughs> they found that, like... 60% of students, or something, I'm, I'm, I'm making this up, but definitely more, most students uh, handed in all the work in like the last month. Like they started doing it in the last a month or two yeah. before before the end of the year rather than spacing it out. Yeah, and although, you know, I think it's, it's definitely true. Personally, it's true. Like, you know, when you're very busy, Actually, no, let's take the other example. When you have nothing, think of like summertime, early summertime, you're done, you're done with your semester, you don't have much to do. You know, when you have nothing in your schedule, you it's like you become lazier, yeah. essentially. And that having nothing to fill your days with really becomes like a disadvantage, ultimately. I found that when I'm at my busiest, I also become the most efficient, first of all. Like I can do things faster than I normally would. Like I'd say I have 10 tasks and on, I can do those 10 tasks faster than if I just had one of those tasks in that list on a single day to do. Like it's, you just automatically kind of become better at doing things faster. And it's fascinating because I'm not, it, I'm not sure that it makes actual sense, but I think it, it is kind of in line with the way our brain works. You know, we have more things to do. Our brain kind of gets used to being in that environment where we have a, we have a lot of stuff to do. You're the psychologist here, so maybe you can tell us more about the science and in another podcast. But I think it will be interesting to explore, actually. But yeah, again, back to the starting point, having a side hustle. You know, we're not saying go start a business in first semester of year one, but definitely consider your possibilities in terms of you can uh, in terms of how you can keep yourself busy doing things besides academics whether that's a society uh whether is that's you know your social life maybe do think about starting a business you know you never know what things might end up but you know just i guess the takeaway is you know done kind of go out there you know kind of find other things besides just staying on the books and these days, like universities want to give you that, you know, they want your student experience to be the best it can be, you know, they want you to get busy and do things. So, you know, try it out. Yeah, and it's not only for the fact that you become more efficient, but 
also it will do wonders to your to your mental health, right? I think uh, one of the the biggest causes of depression in, in adults is when you become unemployed, right? Because you suddenly have nothing to do and you suddenly doubt yourself. You have enough time to think about your problems, yeah, <laughs> which is you know counterintuitive, but. Keeping yourself busy and doing stuff will not only allow you to to feel better, but also you know meet other people. Uh, maybe you will accomplish something that will make you feel more confident. And if you do so have a side hustle apart from university, and then you somehow manage to keep on top of both these things, think about how much of a boost it will be to your self esteem. And like, wow, I managed to juggle these two things at once. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty good. Definitely. And I know I just said Rob is a psychologist, but I actually do have some knowledge to share about this in terms of just goal setting and how your brain derives positive emotion from basically seeing yourself reaching a goal. Not at not the actual moment you achieve it. That's not it. It's about the process and the steps you take in order to get, you know, it's kind of like doing well in an exam. Like you get satisfied, you don't really get satisfaction like you do doing the actual studying, but you see slowly, slowly learning more, slowly advancing towards that final goal, and then you get it. But then once you actually see your grade and it's amazing, you experience a positive thing for like a few minutes, and then it's kind of gone because it wasn't the process and the journey to be cheesy that the that the positive sort of emotions were. And in the same way, being very busy, you know, you can multiply that by ten. You know, you can have more things going on and see yourself progressing towards more goals and thereby you know kind of feeling better about yourself ultimately exactly okay so let's move on to the next one uh, which is uh kind of healthy lifestyle uh what we're talking about here is sleep a lot and try to eat as healthy as possible i mean the connection between sleep and productivity is as as obvious as the sun rising up in the morning right everybody knows that you feel a lot less tired if you get a good night's sleep and that also means not sleeping too long it, it kind of follows a, a u curve where not enough sleep will make you tired but then more than 10 hours of sleep will, will also make you yeah, really, really tired it's only that so i don't know if you know this but it's only like professional athletes that should have like more than eight hours of sleep, really. Because physical recovery. Yeah, because yeah. of physical recovery. I feel like, so for example, NBA players sleep like nine to ten hours, mm-hmm. and that's like totally normal, and they need it. But for an average person like us, like there's a reason why guidelines say seven to eight hours, because that's kind of how much we need in order to function properly. Mm. And there are people out there who. Know can do with four hours of sleep, but that's like one percent of the population, because they, they have a specific condition which allows them to have that. But for most people, seven to eight hours is, is ideal. Yeah. You know, the, have you ever seen that meme where somebody was talking about how uh, the whole like hustle and wake up at four a.m. is just a big scam in order f- to make the competition tired? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is funny, but. There are thing is there are still those people. I guess there there are the kind of like one percent you mentioned that are able to somehow like seem like I read something about Elon Musk. Of course, that's Elon Musk. You know, that's there's one Elon Musk, and that's for a good reason. But there still seem to be a few people who are able to just seemingly not rest and still stay on top of not just one like in this case multi billion dollar company, but two, yeah. and still get things done and still answer emails in between and still you know. 
that's another level though i don't think that's recommended for many like, no 100 yeah. not they did a they did a study where they had they entered a company and they said okay well let's try it out let's have all your workers you know sleep for like four or five hours a night and then compare it to you know a control group where they slept normally and see if at the end of the month who does more work and even though the group that slept less did more hours the group that slept for seven to eight hours was way more productive and overall they did less hours of work but achieved more in those hours so you know that speaks volumes i think yeah and then obviously eating healthy is that's that's a top that's a huge topic that we could dedicate a whole podcast to yeah where you know you really are what you eat so whatever you put in that's what you that's what you're going to become like obviously we're all students and you know taco tuesdays are very important (laughs) (laughs) but like especially during the exam time try to you know eat a lot of fruit eat a lot of veg like that sort of thing will really make a difference that most people do not realize how much difference actually makes because it's one of those things that you don't really notice a difference when you eat healthy food but you notice a difference when you stop eating healthy yeah. food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, uh, you know, it's easier said than done, of course. Eat healthy, you know. Especially as a student who doesn't have... No, actually, let's be honest. You do have time when you're a student. Yeah. But what you might not have is just the willingness to kind of... First of all, just cook for yourself. Because a lot of people just find it so daunting and don't even start because of just their inability to just take that first step in the kitchen. But a lot of students just also eat out and they eat just stuff that's just not good for them. And although it tastes amazing, oh, it does taste amazing. You know, you have to think about, like, they're, they're, it's real. The connection between what you eat, mind, body, you know, it's there. It's established. And, you know, although it's not easy, I think if you start early, especially in terms of cooking for yourself, I think there's so much value in that. Not just for your students, but just for the rest of your life. And, yeah, just... You know, try. Yeah, definitely gotta dedicate one about cooking because yeah, it's, it's not only about cooking healthy, but also like how much money you're going to save up. Yeah, by the way. Yeah, and you know, if you're a guy or a girl, you know, that impress that significant other with a meal. Another side. Oh, it is very attractive. Yeah. Whether you're a guy or a girl, just to have that skill, ooh, it will help you in the dating life. <laughs> what what's what's your go-to meal, Nick? I have a few. So I guess I'm doing well in that regard. <laughs> but uh, any honestly, any kind of pasta. Like, um, it's past creamy mushroom, the carbonara. It's, yeah, it's easy to make. takes 15, 20 minutes. And I actually do enjoy cooking a lot. So for me, that's not a problem. But I guess that came, like, at the start, I didn't. That's the thing. But as I did it more and actually saw myself improve, again, your brain, goals, you see yourself moving towards something positive. And, you know, I just started really enjoying it and getting pleasure out of it. So I have a cookbook coming out. Maybe you'll see it around. <laughs> <laughs> well, all jokes aside, we do, we do have, a, have a cookbook for those of you who know our, our business. But um, anyway, we're running short of time. So let's move on to the next one, which is use technology mm. to your advantage. And this may seem dumb, but a lot of, Students who are very good, the first thing they do when they hear a new topic is to basically Google it and find out about it. And you'll be surprised what percentage of people, because it's super high, that have a problem 
and googling the solution is not the first thing on their mind like i don't my girlfriend what is the first thing on their mind <laughs> yeah my girlfriend is guilty of this like a lot of the time she will have a problem she's like i don't know how to deal with it i can't find this and i'm like did you google it and she was like oh no of course she googles it and it's just the solution <laughs> is right there but there's also something like you don't want to be it feels a bit it feels so 21st century whenever you have a problem google oh this isn't working google oh i don't know about this topic google it is true though like it's there it's there to use them yeah you know it's it's uh and i guess the more you learn the less you'll need to use it so but you know it's why not use it wikipedia my god wikipedia is when i learned to actually properly use wikipedia for essay writing yeah. like you know the famous meme don't reference wikipedia reference the sources at the bottom of the page on wikipedia you know that's Lifesaver. That's that's a lifesaver. Honestly, it's uh, so useful. You know the yeah. re recent trick I, I I learned, which I can't believe I've never mm -hmm. knew before, is apparently there's a there's a few websites that if you copy stuff, for example, from Wikipedia or whatever, will will rewrite the stuff, like paraphrase whatever you you put in. Okay, are we sure we want to be telling students about this? Like, actually, I'm curious. Though. <laughs> Yeah, and it will like paraphrase whatever you put in for you, so that it's no longer uh, copying other people's work. And and if you just do it a couple of times, or if you just rewrite that after, you know, it wouldn't come up as plagiarism. Good to go. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, there's so many good apps out there. You yeah, know? especially for just planning, just uh, scheduling stuff. I I must have gone through like. 25 apps throughout my uni career just trying yeah. to find the best one i still haven't but <laughs> you know still looking but it's yeah especially for planning like stuff and what, what, what's an app that you use a lot for uni uh right now google calendar <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one though yeah honestly it is i have all my lectures there i have all like my meetings and uh, yeah i just put in like kind of like my planned hours of study and i try to stick to it and but besides that like as I said, I used to use those that flashcard app, but for what I'm studying right now, it's not really it doesn't really work that well. But I'm sure for you it does. Like what else, what do you use? You know, it's very underrated. It's going to sound super similar, but you know, like just notes on your oh, phone, right? Like especially like uh, even if you don't have an iPhone, but like just anything that's on your mind. Just, but every just, smartphone now has a note. Exactly, like yeah. every smartphone has has has, has an app just just for your notes and most people don't use it but it's it's so useful to just whenever you have a thought right like you walk in towards somewhere and you're like you know you don't have anything to jot down just put it in your notes yeah man. i do not want people to see my notes like yeah, right. so much weird, like sometimes like you get a weird business idea like sitting yeah, like on the bus Korea. yeah like you you like you write a poem or something like there's all sorts of like you 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 have an argument with your girlfriend and you kind of try to write down what you're gonna say yeah. <laughs> honestly like yeah but yeah there is quite a bit out there and wasn't there one to no, actually no. Wait, actually, let, let, let me let me check my phone. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've got like multiple of Yeah, I've got the the Quizlet, which I've mentioned earlier. Oh, Khan Academy is a good one, just to like learn stuff. Um, what else do we? Oh, there's a there's one called Time Logger, which mm -hmm. basically like you can put in any habit or anything that you do, and it just logs how for how long you did it for. Mm. And it's very good to use to just realize how much time you're wasting in which area. Yeah. Oh, I had one. I had one which I haven't used it in a while, but it's actually really good. It's called Forest 
or plant a tree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's which like, basically you set out a time that you intend to use for something productive, hopefully. So, like, let's say 45 minutes. And basically your phone starts starts with a seed and you plant, like, a little plant. And uh, it starts growing throughout that time, like, through that time that you plan to study. But then you can't use your phone for other things. So as soon as you use your, you open up your phone and you could try go on another app, uh, the plant would die. Oh, that's so a good one. You don't want that plant to die, man. You want it to grow into a beautiful tree and a garden, hopefully. And then, of course, you have garden. And the more time you take studying or doing whatever productive activity you intend to do, the more trees will grow. And you, at the end, you have a nice big garden. And it is quite satisfying. Of course, you're never going to touch the garden or get any actual reward from it. But, you know, it's, it is kind of nice to kind of visualize it that way. You know, planting a garden. And, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's one that's similar to this where it's not particularly for study or Pomodoro technique. Like, there's an app for that one. You know, there's like a studying technique where you do 20 minutes of studying and five minute break and 20 minutes of studying. There's an app for that. That works really good. well, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but there's one which I can't remember what it's called, but it's on the same lines as the one you mentioned about growing trees, but specifically for meditation. It's like, five to ten minutes a day just to wind down and you, you see your progress throughout time yeah it's quite good i've used it for a while you know in the end there's so many apps most of them most of them are bad so you just have to find but you know honestly the way it works like the app store the google store it works um, really well in terms of just ranking the best ones and just do a google search man yeah <laughs> but also don't get lost in using too many apps at once cause... yeah because that can just be counterproductive yeah know? and you're probably not going to use any of them properly if you do that exactly um okay last one that we have here for successful students is the 80 20 rule which for those of you who don't know is basically a universal rule that you find everywhere in life that everywhere literally everywhere. yeah that 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. And the biggest takeaway academically for that is you need to know exactly what you need to do that will actually push the needle and you get in a good grade. So for example, great students, you might be surprised, but they don't read every single thing that's on the reading list, right? Because there's simply not enough time to read everything and do side hustling and have friends and do all that, right? So what you need to do is focus on the things that actually matter and read on the topics that are going to be in the exam. Read the things that are most likely to come up. Yeah. And this is the stuff that you need to expend a lot of energy on because otherwise if you're reading stuff that's not even going to come up, like that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, you you want to come out with, with a good grade. So you need, to, you need to ask yourself whenever you're doing something like, is this actually going to help me or am I just reading it because I want to, you know? And not to say that you shouldn't read around your subject, but at the end of the day, a lot of us are too busy to read everything. So you need to make sure that whatever you, you do, it's something that actually makes a difference. Yeah, I completely agree. And it is fa it is quite fascinating. Fascinating, isn't it? This 80-20 rule, because it really does it show itself up everywhere. Like if you think of any sort of creative domain that humans do, think of like music, rap music, for example. 80% of the money, the fans in rap music are dedicated to only that top 20% of acts, of famous artists or bands or groups. But then you have a whole 80% of 
groups of artists that no one really listens to and that's the 20 percent and it's fascinating like yeah because even within that like even if you're a famous artist 80 percent of your songs you know don't don't really give you much revenue it's like 20 yeah. percent of those famous that suddenly blew up yeah and again if you if you as an artist of course we're just using an example now but start seeing that you know you have to kind of play into that and realize what you're doing well what are you doing what are you not doing so well and focusing on those things you're doing well while whether it's delegating the other things you don't do so well but you know kind of spending less time on them and yeah just kind of being smart with your skills and realizing and being honest also with yourself in terms of what you're good what you're not good at and yeah 80 20 rule very important yeah so i feel like we're running short on time so we were going to go through the habits of unsuccessful students but i feel like we're going to have to push that to the next podcast because i think we're already nearly an hour in yeah so we're gonna do that on the next podcast but you know closing remarks really is just that there's a lot of things that you can do to become successful students and the nice thing is you don't even need to do all of them right like if you just focus on improving yourself 80 20 day. rule man <laughs> exactly Literally, you don't need to do all these things but if you do two, even one of these things very well, that's yeah. going to help you immensely. Two, even better. Yeah. See what, see what you do and what needs to improve the most. I think they say that just basically improving the quality of your sleep is the fastest way to be more productive and more happy. So that's definitely a big one. But yeah, like, like Nick said, just pick one or two things if you're not already doing some of those. And just improve yourself day by day. Because at the end of the day the number one thing you can do is just become one percent better and eventually compound interest adds up it's a marathon not a sprint remember especially at uni because well here in scotland where we are it, it's the first two years i don't really count towards your degrees but but even elsewhere it's at least one year and it's a good year to experiment a lot and do try a lot of things and actually try to get into uh, some sort of a routine so if you're just starting out, like this is the perfect time to kind of mess up, make mistakes and try a lot of these things so that when you get to the point where it actually matters, you're going to be ready and you're going to, you want to do it as fast as possible because the earliest you start developing these good habits, the better for you in the long run. Very wise words, my friend. And with that, we'll leave you to the next podcast. Yeah, we'll wrap it up and we'll see you on the next one.